And we're joined for a third week in a row because he is so gracious with his time. Former Bills scout Gerald Dixon joining us on Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK. Gerald, thanks for coming back. Man, thanks for having me back again, fellas. Uh, the analysis has uh, been so good, and uh, so it means a lot to us that you'd uh, keep in, uh, your willingness to keep coming back and sharing it with us. And uh, a fascinating game this week that um, let's just jump into it because uh, even though Seattle is in the NFC, uh, the Bills have had a couple cracks at measuring stick games. You can maybe call New England a measuring stick opponent because of the history. But New England's not the same as it's been. Seattle is the same, much like Kansas City and Tennessee being a kind of an established team in, in and of itself, uh, especially making the AFC Championship game last year. So what are your thoughts on what the Bills are looking at here? Well, how significant is this game, even though it is a non-conference game, even though there is still eight games left in the season, but when Seattle's coming to your town – what, uh, what kind of emphasis should the, the organization be putting on this one? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think you should put a lot of pressure on just one game. But um, as competitors, you always want to be tested um, to see where you're at. And I believe Seattle is a good test at the halfway mark, as you, as you can say. And the way I look at it is um, organization-wise and just player-wise, I would just look at my young talent to see how well those guys have matured. And I'm, the young guys that I'm talking about is um, – quarterback Josh Allen, um, Tredavious White, um, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, it's a big game for these guys to say, you know what, um, NFL, we have arrived and um, the Buffalo Bills are here to stay for a while because I believe that's what um, Brandon and Sean is trying to instill and build um, with the Bills. Yeah, they haven't really had a statement victory this year. They've had nice wins. I think the, the win against the Rams was, was very impressive. Um, would have been better had they not given up a lead after or whatever, however many points it was, 21 or 24 points. Um, but there hasn't been that persuasive, I used that word earlier in the week, that just like convince me, convince me that that everything's going to be okay from a fan standpoint. Uh, right. You know, like this could be one of those games. I think no matter how you beat a team like the Seahawks, uh, you're probably saying that was a persuasive win. I agree. Um because I know that Josh is a, is a competitor and he wants to come compare himself against the top quarterbacks. And other than Russell Wilson, he's coming to town. So you got to sit there and say, okay, good. I know that I don't want to make it um, myself versus a quarterback, um, Russell Wilson, but at the end of the day, um, we all know it's going to come down to that, right? It's going to come down to third downs. It's going to come down to explosive plays. It's going to come down to who's not turning the ball over and who's going to control the ball game with legs and his arm and whatever quarterback um, plays the better half of that game um, in the second half. Like I always say, football doesn't really get played until the, the fourth quarter. Uh, that's where you're going to get um, the winner. Gerald, last week we talked a lot about cornerbacks and what makes a good shutdown cornerback and kind of a, a similar conversation, I guess. Uh, I'm fascinated by these receivers that are, that are going to be on the field on Sunday particularly for the Seahawks, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two very different guys. But you mentioned Tredavious White. This could be one of those those statement type of games. Um, as a former cornerback yourself and somebody who's coached the position, what is the challenge 
that Tredavious White faces going up against a guy like DK Metcalf with his just physical gifts, size, speed, the whole package? Well, like you said already, um, just big, fast, explosive um, human being, right? But not that great of change of direction and being able to um, change his speed. And I always thought it was easier when he played against just straight line, fast guys, because at the end of the day, if you're playing off man, like Tredavious is very good at, and he's good at reading routes, those taller, um, explosive players with a straight line speed and not a lot of wiggle in their hips typically tell you what route they're going to run once they get into about eight to 10 yards. So once you're off and you're backpedaling, slow and backpedaling out and you're reading through the quarterback through the receiver um it's a telltale what route he is going to run so I, I i think it's going to be a difficult matchup but just because of the route savvy um that trey trey white has in terms of reading routes and the average route running ability of dk metcalf i think Travis um is going to fare out pretty well with that matchup but also when you look at it you got to go on the other side it's okay you can stop the first route Right. And then plays get extended. And we all know that Russell is one of the better quarterback at extending plays and throwing those beautiful placement balls to, um, to those receivers. And what about Tyler Lockett on the other side? Um, lines up in the slot a ton. And it's hard to, you know, be it would be hard enough if it was just a race DK Metcalf and, you know, that's that. But to have a guy like Tyler Lockett on the other side, what challenge is that going to present to the secondary? Well, just in, in terms of, I believe Tyler is, is when he gets in a slot, that's when he's really, really good. And um, T. Johnson, just, this year he's been real inconsistent in terms of his man coverage um, ability. And when you have a guy with the route running ability and the body control and the hands and just the understanding of zone versus man and he and Russ are on I mean they're 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 locked in right now they've been locked in for for a couple of years but right now they're in sync with each other that's where I think the game can be changed um and in favor of the um Seattle with the nickel and slot um matchup I would give that bump up to um Seattle in my um my humble opinion now we know that Matt Milano has already been ruled out uh, for Sunday, Tremaine Edmonds uh, has had a pretty shaky season so far, and A.J. Klein has not wowed people. Um, I'm being diplomatic, I think. Uh, here you got Russell Wilson coming in, and we just talked about where he can throw the ball. What would be your level of concern, or what can the Bills do maybe with their call-ups, or what the, maybe they can do something on the defensive line I don't know. I mean, that's where that's where your expertise comes in. Well, what would you what would you do to stop Russell Wilson from from the, his ability to just take off and run against a, a defense that's struggled to stop it? Right. Unlike most mobile quarterbacks, um, most guys are just trying to get outside the pocket and try to go to their um, strong shoulder. But what Russell's shown you over the years is he's willing to step up and out to throw the ball. That's going through navigating the pocket well, um, getting good depth and getting away from those tall guys. Because I don't think a lot of people understand that's one of the better things that Russell does. He gets away from those guys up front and gives himself an opportunity to see over the line of scrimmage. Because everyone's always saying, oh, he's a short quarterback. No, he gets away. And then he has enough 
poise and feel in the pocket to navigate that. But what I believe is if you can have those two inside guys um, power rush, bull rush, put take those guards and put it back into um, Russell's lap and take those two ends and form a cup um, and not necessarily get to him, but make sure that if he is going to go anywhere, he's going to if he steps up, he's going to have to step up into um, the lap of his two guards. And if he does go outside, maintain that outside leverage. And then that's where I believe that you can make him truly a pocket quarterback without getting out and extending those plays. Do you and think get a little Phillips at Oliver and those guys will be able to do that? Um, I believe Ed can um, because I'm not um, so high on the Seattle's offensive line. And, you know, when you have a guy, Quentin Jefferson, going back and playing against his team, um, you get a little bit of more uh, – you get – Get a little bit more pumped, so I think this might be one of his better games. Um, and he understands those guys, and and I think he'll play a little bit better and give give those guys a little more push up front, and also get his hands up because he's been um been able to knock the ball down um the last couple of weeks. When you flip to the other side of the ball, the Seahawks, everybody talks about all the yards they give up. Um, they've they've been getting toasted over the top of the defense uh, in in the passing game, but they are getting Jamal Adams back. Um, what I know he's just one guy. Um, can one guy make that big of a difference? Uh, is he good enough to, you know, help some of the problems that they've been having? Well, when you when you speak of Jamal, Jamal is a jack of all trades, uh, master of none, in my opinion. He's more of a. Uh, you got to be aware of him when he's around the line of scrimmage. On the back end, I'm not really worried about him because even from college to the NFL, his production in, in the past game has not been high, right? He's an average at best cover guy. Um, the game that he did play against um, New England, I mean, Julian Edelman probably had the best game that he had all year. So if you're Brian Dable, you're trying to find ways to put him into coverage. And if you're Josh Allen and Brian, you're trying to locate where he is in the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage because he's very good at blitzing. Um, as an eighth defender, he's a very sure tackler. Um, he's not afraid to shoot gaps when they w- open up. So when I look at him, I look at him more of him and Buda Baker in the same um, realm as guys that are, are safeties, but they play more of a dime linebacker role and more disruptive around the line of scrimmage than on the back end. So on the back end, I don't believe they'll get help in terms of coverage, but where they can get help is is when he's a blitzer and he's a very and he's good at that, um, as you can see over the years, as a playmaker. You know, Gerald, you sound like you know what you're talking about. A little bit. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not convinced. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just, I mean, so, the, so the analysis is awesome. I, like the fact that you're willing to come on this show every week, it's a blessing. Right. Thank you. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm being, I'm being sarcastic, a wise ass, which, um, <laughs> which you're good at. Yeah, that's true. So, so let now, me throw, I, I enjoy doing it. I don't know if I'm good at it. I enjoy doing it. No, you're pretty good at it. So let me throw something at you real quick. And, um, and if you think about it and there, there, when you go into games, it's all to me, you look at the matchups and, who wins these matchups? And most likely, those that's who's going to come out victorious at the end of the game. Um, if you're the Bills and you're and you're saying this, uh, Seattle has struggled in coverage. The Bills have run more ten personnel. That's four wide receivers uh, more than most teams in the NFL. You'd like to get into that package because over the last few weeks, you've seen Tyler Croft either put the ball on the ground or catch a wide open pass and stumble. So your fourth receiver is better than your 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 tight end. Um, Knox is just coming off of um, his COVID list. 
and he's been inconsistent with the ball in his hand. So if you can get to where um, you can run the ball in 10 personnel and be creative with that, um, also find ways to put Adams in coverage with either Beasley um, or Steph Diggs. And then you can find those little matchups that you would like a little bit more than your traditional ones with the tight end versus um, versus that. My humble opinion. What do you think about, there's been a lot of questions about, you know, first four weeks, Josh Allen crushing man coverage. Uh, they're running all these crossing patterns and everything's just clicking. Big plays all over the place, tons of yards, tons of touchdowns. Last four weeks, teams are playing more zone. They're dropping back on them. Um, what do you it's not as if teams are just going to do that forever and he'll never hit another big play again. What does he have to do to break through that? Maybe either to change how defenses are playing or just beat how they're playing and get those, those big plays when teams do decide to, to play more zone. So look at it in two folds as a play caller, um, be a little bit more creative in um, the ways that you're designing plays for guys to get open. One, two, it comes on your shoulders now, um, Josh, to say, well, I'm going to throw an accurate ball in the right spot and to the right person to execute those um, vertical throws. And when he gives um, guys those opportunities, just finish it with a catch. Gerald, you mentioned at the top wanting to look at Josh Allen and how he develops and you know where his development is in this game. What are the things you're looking for uh, there and maybe projected long-term? What does he need to show – to be considered in that level with a quarterback like Russell Wilson and when it comes up time for a new contract to be paid like a quarterback like Russell Wilson? Well, the ability to control the game, um, for me, that's one, and I'll get into that a little bit more, just, just two examples. Control the game and also win games when you're not supposed to. So beat good teams. Just don't beat five teams that's under 500. Now, when I say um, control the game, execute on third down, right? Play keep away. And keep away means don't turn the ball over to the other team with the other helmet, right? And when those explosive plays uh, present themselves, execute and finish games. Because at times you'll see Josh have just a, like, just a mind, like he just, he just loses it mentally. And you'll have one or two hiccups in the game, but those one, the one or two hiccups are in the red zone. Or... They're backed up. So now you're giving the, the opponent um, an opportunity to score. Um, and now with the explosive plays, man, sometimes his, that arm is so strong, he gets so much and, and he's so hyped up that he rips it. And it's two or three yards past the um, receiver. It's just more of just getting comfortable with your ability, being comfortable in the pocket and poise. To just deliver it and drop it off like you've done at practice the hundreds and thousands of times that you've done it. And being halfway through his third year, third-year quarterback that started from almost day one, how far in that development curve is he? How much better can he be in some of the things that he still hasn't mastered yet? Well, look at it like this. And, and I know that I'm not going to – Josh it was a was – a junior college quarterback, right? And then he played at Wyoming for a year, two, right? So what you're getting is a guy that hadn't thrown the ball a lot around elite coverage and um, with elite players. So essentially, he's not 
to me, he's not in the category of where he was. Everybody was saying in the first four games, he's an NFL MVP. He's not there yet. He's still in the phase of learning the game, learning coverage, and learning his ability and being comfortable with it. So I don't know many Juco quarterbacks that come out into the NFL and in two and a half years are ready to make that jump to elite ability. I've known guys that played for four years and they're still not ready. So to answer your question, I go any further. I think he's a second tier, third tier quarterback right now with his play that he's shown you. Um, does he have the um, traits to be an elite quarterback? I think he has a trait to be a good quarterback. I think he has a trait to be, as I've always said, his comp is Matthew Stafford with athletic ability. You know, Gerald, uh, without like getting into super deep nuance of quarterback play, um, and this is a feel thing. It's and this is somebody who you know I throw out all those caveats. Didn't play the game, you know, not at any level that to speak of. And my, I tend to believe that what we have seen in the past few weeks of Josh Allen is closer to where he truly is right now in his development than those first three or four games. Uh, that those th first three or four games, as much as it was dazzling and everybody jumped and said, all right, he figured it out. Um, I would like to have seen that to continue, of course, but I think that the fact that it slid back compared to what we've seen last year, it just seems, it just seems to me that this is closer than... Right. Why was he able to thrive so much in those first four weeks. Now, of course, you can look at the quality of the opponent and things like that, but it seems as though it's a totally different guy. And I don't really think anything happened injury-wise. I don't think that he's a guy whose confidence gets shook. Well, I mean, maybe it did. That's a fragile thing. Some guys are super confident, but you can still get in your head. I mean, there's all. I, I, I'm asking you as you've been around it, the right. sports psychology of it, or what you see from an X's and O's standpoint. It's just such a... a a, a, a stark line was drawn right. uh, between those first four games and what we've seen since. Right. Now, I think everyone was, was excited just because you saw the growth. It's just a, just a jump from year two to year three. You, for the first four games, you're saying, whoa, I've never seen it before. And I'm like, man. But I've always said when you give coordinators um, enough film to study you, um, they're going to take away – the things that you do well, and they're going to force you to play and make you throw it for, for a quarterback, make throws with things that you, with routes and concepts that you're not comfortable with. The real good ones, the elite ones, regardless if you take it away, they can find a way. I love what you saw last night with Devontae um, Adams on that third down route. Yeah. A Rod said he's going to put it in there and he's going to put it in a spot that you're not going to get to. I'm just better than you are. So, the third or fourth thing that I do well is still better, is still good enough to get it done. So you can take away the best couple things I do, but I still, I'm I got still enough. I'm still going to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm still good enough. And when you're truly elite, regardless of what you do, I'm still better than what you're trying to do. Now, if you said I'm going to put three guys on this one guy and I got to throw it to my worst player, yeah, I'm going to make my worst player look good. So long story short. To fix it, coordinators have seen what Josh and Dave's um, are comfortable with. Now you have to go to your left hand, if you're right-handed, and play with your left hand and develop that. And now take checkdowns, 
And the, the small window of opportunities that you get, you have to take advantage of them. And that's what I haven't seen the Bills offense do in the last few weeks. If that answers your question. It does, yeah. When we flip it to the other side of the ball, um, this defense, you know, it's, it's interesting. These two defensive secondaries, the Seahawks are allowing so many yards, but they're picking the ball off. Uh, they're getting interceptions. Uh, the Bills defense doesn't really allow the big plays, but you're looking at Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. None of them have an interception. Um, how much of that is luck of getting the, the ball thrown your way? And how much, how much is that an indictment of them that they're not making those plays and enforcing those mistakes? And how much is that holding them back, I guess? Now, in the, in the past, it was the opposite, right? They'll give up a few, but they'll make a few, right? And that evened out everything. Um, you know, interceptions are things that they, they come in bunches. And um, some guys, they, it, it, the ball just gets to them. But at the end of the day, most of the times when you get picks, they're going to say tips and overthrows, right? right? Tips are when guys at the line of scrimmage are getting their hands up or the quarterback has enough pressure in his face that he's not going to throw a, a, a pass that he can step into and feel comfortable with it, right? Overthrows, right? Same thing. There hasn't been enough pressure on the quarterback to allow those guys on the back end to get tips, overthrows, and just inaccurate passes from what I've seen um, from the previous years. Previous years, they were they were getting after the quarterback. Quarterback wasn't comfortable. Um, there's indecisions, inaccuracy of the throws, and that's when DBs tend to make more um, more plays on the ball. So until they, they improve their ability to get pressure on the quarterback, that's when you're going to see it, and you're not going to get pressure if you allow um, teams to run for almost five yards per carry. How much do you think Tremaine Edmonds' shoulder injury from earlier in the season, I believe it's not on the injury report anymore the last few weeks, but do you think it's still affecting his play in any way? Well, you know what? Injuries are part of the game, right? And at some point, you have to deal with it. And shoulder or no shoulder, um, if you're watching the game, he has a lot of false reads um, when you see it. Now, he's never been a, a take-on, not-back, um, the blocker type guy. He's always been a, a long, rangy, um, fairly um, above-average athlete that can slip blocks at the point of attack. But he has never been truly um, a downhill thump Mike linebacker. He's always been a guy where if you run away from him, he can run you down and make those plays. So at some point um, – you got to grow up, bite the bit, toughen up, and um, and bloody somebody's nose. You're Mike Linebacker. End of the day. Would he have been better off not being a Mike Linebacker, you think? Maybe playing outside? Or would, um, it, would he have had the same problems? I don't even think it's, a, it's, it's truly a, a problem. I just believe that he's... We've never seen we've never seen a linebacker six four or six five, right? Yeah. Like when you're that tall and that rangy, it's you typically you typically play high, and it's hard to get underneath guys or blockers and knock them back. But what he does have, he has like long arms, and he has he has God given ability to run. So at some point, he's going to have to find the way that he plays at a high level, and that's studying. Go back and study Erlacher. All right, figure out what Erlacher did. Erlacher was real good at keying, diagnosing, getting downhill, and finding plays, right? 
Look at Luke Keekley. At Mike Linebacker's instincts, and I don't think he has the greatest instincts, he has decent instincts, but he has athletic ability. So spend a little bit more time in the film room, understanding where the pulls and the, and the, and the zones are going. Find your crack within that defense, and at times you just got to pull the trigger and shoot it. And, I, and there's times that he's just holding back too much for me and not just just going. Like you see Milano just run in there and just throw his body around with no regard. Trey, not so much. Yeah, and uh, Milano pays the price for it. Uh, another game uh, that he'll be on the sidelines. But when he's out there, you, you know what you're going to get. That's the only way that he knows how to play. I'm telling you, he, he, he's not big enough to, to sit there and take on 300-pounders, um, shock, shed, and, and, and get rid of them and play. So he's going to try to find creases within the, the defense, um, shoot it, and he has enough speed and closing ability to, and suddenness to, to finish the play. At is some Darren, point, you got to play linebacker. Is Darren Lee somebody that can help this defense if he gets out on the field at some point soon? Um, just with his sheer athletic ability and his ability to run, yes. And he's always had good coverage ability. Um, now just learning the defense and, and find his way to, to fit, um, I believe he can help. But um, D. Lee's always had the issue of taking on blockers and being physical at the point of attack. And at some point, you got to figure out your role and how you're going to either not take blocks on, slip them, and, and, and get in the backfield. Or just every now and then thump somebody. Gerald, um, let's end up with uh, on a positive note here because uh, I think that this player, as much credit as he's gotten, I think is still underrated because I think that's how impressive he's been. And part of that's my fault. I haven't written about him as much as I probably should have. I think Stefan Diggs has been incredible. And I. I see him on a weekly basis making it look easy. Right. Now, I know he has his baggage or from whatever per, you know whatever happened in Minnesota where things didn't go well. We haven't seen that here. Maybe we never do. Um, maybe it's all a myth. I don't know. You know. Some players have this mystique that follows them around and, and it's not necessarily justified. What's your take on him so far, what you've seen, and um, – the idea that Minnesota decided to trade this guy away. Well, I'm not going to touch on why they traded him away. They, 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 they've had him for a while, and then they thought that his value wasn't worth the price that they were paying. So they did what they had to do. I, I, I love him. I think he's one of the. I think he's a top ten receiver in the NFL. And again, you can't go wrong when you have a guy coming from Maryland, right? Montgomery County, Maryland. <laughs> Feel with that, right? I didn't um, even think of that. <laughs> it's coming. You're such a homer. It's coming. The, uh, the metropolitan area DMV is what they call it now. It's coming. So, but you are a homer. In, in in terms of what Steph brings to the game, um, he's in the same area in terms of, or same ranking with me with Devontae Adams as a route runner, right? Those guys and in Keenan Allen, their ability to change speed and separate at the top of the route. Is unbelievable, and when you have, uh, and when you're a quarterback, you know that he's going to get separation. And what he's brought to this team is the element of being able to uncover himself when he's going against an elite defender, and just the confidence that 
the quarterback has in him is just saying, hey, listen, I know that even if I steer him down, he's going to get open. And that's what he what, what he brings in terms of the, if you want to say number one receiver, yeah, that's what he is. And a superstar. Why, okay, so what is it about me, my untrained eye, when I see him? Why? What am I picking up on that's so impressive that makes him different than just anybody else? Why does he make it to the layman? Why does he make it look so easy? As opposed um, to you see a great receiver out there, you can tell he's working. You know, he's uh, you know a, an underneath guy, slot guy. Or just a guy who runs, you know, fly patterns. There's something about it that just makes it look. No, you, you're stunned when he doesn't make the play. Well, well, stunned maybe too harsh a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I get you. His ability to change speed, right? And I, I always talk about that because everybody always thinks that if you're a receiver, you got to run fast. Hey, tip, yeah, yeah, run fast. But if I know that you're running fast and I'm off at eight, eight yards, I can flip and run with you. I already have an eight yard start on you. But what Steph does, he is so smooth and sudden at the same time. So you see him coming off, and you're like, he's not running fast. Then he has the ability to change speed, then put his foot in the ground without any change in, um, um, change in, in his body and be able to come out of it with explosion to create separation. So, you, so he lulls a lot of people to sleep. You say, oh, yeah, he's, just, he's not running fast. Then he speeds up, stops explodes out of it with a cut. And that's where you see him and you say, wow, he's not even running that hard. He's not. He just looks real smooth doing it. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Who's going to be the best receiver on the uh, – who will be the best receiver in this game on Sunday? Oh, Steph Diggs. Think it's not close? He's that much better than DK and, and Lockett? Um, see, DK is – What if Metcalf was from Baltimore? <laughs> Then he, I mean, I still say Steph Diggs. All right, um, just got. I got to even the. I got to even the scales in some way for this. Well, DK DK is an Ole Miss guy, uh, so that might be playing into it here. If he was uh, a Bama guy, I don't know. No, I, I respect DK. What if Tyler Lockett went to Johns Hopkins? Then, uh, then who? He's still out in Baltimore, so he don't count. Nah, so got to be from Montgomery County. But either way, no, I, I like Tyler. I think Tyler is one of the most underrated receivers in the um, in the NFL. But DK. He's so, like, big, fast. It, it's ridiculous, right? But at, at some point, you're going to have to develop a little bit more route savvy to scare um, an elite corner. Because like I said earlier, when you're playing against a guy that predetermines his, his route about three yards, be able, uh, being able to not come to a full stop, um, it's easier to, to put your foot in the ground and come out of it if you're a corner rather than a guy like Steph Diggs or Tyler Lockett that can change speed, stop, get out of it immediately, right? And just suddenness to get out of his break. You'll see a lot of chops in, in um, DK um, in his feet at the top of his route. So if he ever gets better at the top of his route, which is, I mean, I haven't seen it, um, he, I, I would put him into that elite, elite category with Julio Jones, because he has a lot of Julio Jones traits, right? But Julio Jones over the last years has become one of the better route runners for a tall and explosive guy. So the, the comparison to Megatron, I think it's, it's, I think it's comp. I think it's comparable. Because you, Megatron, only he only had a few routes in him as well, too. When you were a corner, did you ever have anybody do anything 
close to you like DK Metcalf did to Buda Baker a few weeks ago and he chased him down and uh, tackled him? Impossible. Now, I've ran a lot of guys down. I've walked a lot of people down. Um, yeah, that ain't happening. I don't care if you run a 4-1. You, I, I was talking to um, – you know, I was talking to Roman Harper. Uh, I give a shout out to Roman, uh, and I said, I, I would have to either pull, a, say, I pulled a hamstring or something. But there's no way <laughs> on this green earth that I'm going to get walked down um, like that. I, I, you can give props Shane Bailey him. having it happen to him. Ben Watson of all people. You remember that play? Yeah. Ben is a tight end. Yeah, right. Shane yeah. yeah. Bailey, you know, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay. Tight end. I mean, I understand Don Beebe chasing down Leon Lett, all right? Listen, 200 and – I mean, and ben, you know what? They're, ben can roll too. But either way, that's a corner running down a tight end, not a receiver running down a defensive back. No, not happening. I'm, I'm, something's going to happen. My hamstring, a cramp, something. But there's no way that, that you're, you're going to walk me down. That's going to be on NFL Films for – the next 150 years of the greatest walk down ever. Oh, and based on what you're saying, all he had to do was run in some zigzags, make DK change direction, and he would have been all set. That's all I'm saying. Do something. Run across <laughs> the – do something. Act like you're out of breath, but just don't get walked. <laughs> he's going to be a meme for a long time. Oh, man, he's gonna, you better, better make some money off of that. <laughs> or, or if he just stopped, DK Metcalf would have kept going for about 10 yards. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> do something other than get tackled. <laughs> Gerald Dixon, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, I, I don't know. Can we chalk you up for next week already? I mean, is this becoming a – are we wearing you out? No, 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 no. Pencil me in. I'm here. This is a lot of fun. Well, we'll come up with some – we don't want to just break down the game. We'll come up with some positional stuff. I, I, I feel a lot smarter after we talk. You, you, listen, we got to get in some top ten, top five. We got to do something. All right. I, I got a lot of – I got a list. I'll That's shoot you good. so that way you're prepared. So that way you're not doing it off the top of your head. A couple of days in advance, I'll throw a topic out there, and um, and uh, we'll see how many uh, Maryland slash Alabama guys end up on the list. Yeah, and, I want to know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, John. Well, I, I want to know. Maybe you can think about this over the week if you got a power ranking or a list of Alabama media beat writers and where certain people might fall on that list. <laughs> you follow Mike Rodak down there. You know what, Mike is down there. How? Listen, how's he doing? Does he does he love T Town? He lives he in Birmingham. He, oh, he's in Birmingham. Yeah, one of the most underrated cities. Right, one of the most underrated. Cities. Never been. You've but never I think he's been. doing well. I think he and his family love it, and I think they're. I think he's doing well. And in fact, I saw he's writing. He's writing basketball stories now. So they're, you know, he's tracking down Nate Oates and talking about Crimson Tide basketball. So. I think between uh, between those two seasons, he's he's plenty busy. It's like covering. It's got to be like covering an NFL team. Probably not much different than when he was covering the Bills. When you go down there and cover the Crimson Tide. Yeah, you just you just can't step on Nick's toes. <laughs> I think that <laughs> may have said than done. I think we've heard some story. Yeah. <laughs> you get you get put in the penalty box real quick. Don't st- Does he wear lifts? Huh? Does he wear lift? Uh, you don't pretend like you didn't hear me. You heard me. <laughs> Does he wear? <laughs> Does Nick Saban wear lifts? No, he just looks like a giant because he's sitting on top of all those national championship rings. I see. Okay. <laughs> all right, we'll stop there. Gerald Dixon, uh, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, very nice of you. 
All right. Appreciate you. Thanks for having take me care. on. Take care. All right. Take care.